Screamcast episode 105. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Hey, Sean. We're recording early in the morning. We are hoping BJ joins us. We shall see. But uh, anyway, today we're going to be talking about possession um, by director. Let me see if I can get this right. Andre Zawalski. Sounds about right. Um. We're gonna be talking about that. The beautiful Mondo um what's it called? Mondo Vision box set. Yeah, Mondo, a couple Mondo versions. Vision. We'll be talking about that. We're also gonna be jumping into for stream screams, um the severed arm, and for VHS, mm. oh my god, Evil Town. So we'll be jumping into all that in just a little bit. But first we gotta figure out what the hell is on our doorstep. Holy cow, I almost forgot. We'll get the door. Oh. Oh. I I have a couple things, so I'll go first. Oh. That's all By all right. means. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Go go right ahead, Sean. Uh I only have like I think I only have two. Um I I'd heard about this a few weeks ago and it's uh uh the Japanese remake of Unforgiven. But with uh, Ken Watanabe. I think it's just Wantabe. 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 There's an N in there. So I don't know. Mm. I didn't do my homework like I did with uh, Andre Jowalski. I think that's wrong too. But Jowalski. Go ahead. I don't know. I used uh, I went to a website and that's how they say it's pronounced. But who knows? Um, but anyway, the, you know, the uh, 2013, this film was... Uh, I think shown at TIFF and uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Japanese name of Unforgiven, but it's, uh, it's, you know, Unforgiven is the subtitle. And this came out a couple years back um, on the festival circuit, I believe. And I don't think it, it, it never got a domestic release, but Warner brothers, Japan decided to release it. Uh, uh, there's a UK steelbook you can get. I'm not sure if it's region free or not. That's the next thing I want to check out because my dad was like super uh, interested in watching it. But uh, so I'm going to be checking that out. But uh, it was good. I mean, it was, you know, it was Unforgiven with Samurais. Hmm. Um, pretty much almost beat for beat. Um, then you know. The music was great. I mean, it's done really, really well. It's, um, it's one of those things though, if you've seen, recently seen Unforgiven and then you watch this, um, the 1992, uh, Eastwood film and then watch this, you're probably going to get kind of bored, you know, cause it, 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 they do play it kind of beat for beat, except with the, uh, the spin on kind of the, the whole story of the samurai and how that works into the film. Um, I kind of like it, this version of, of it better, be, not, it's hard to say. Like, I like the idea of the samurai instead of like a, you know, old gunslinger, cowboy, assassin type guy because the samurai had kind of this code of honor. And so that kind of has a little more of a play into the story and the character. And, um, but, uh, but it was cool. It was cool to check out. 
it's a it was a good remake, you know. So yeah, I'm interested. So I'll eventually check it down. Yeah, I mean, I love I love the samurai bouts of violence as opposed to just a gunfight. It's uh, yeah, it makes things a lot more interesting, a lot more intimate. <laughs> you know, when they're swinging their samurai swords around. So, but yeah, it's pretty damn good. So, um, like I said, there's the steel book you can get uh, through Amazon UK. And I don't think it was too expensive. It was like, I think I paid like 17 bucks when I grabbed it. But, um, it, it, it's interesting that, cause I haven't heard really anything here in the States about this. And I think it was, I was online and someone was talking about it and I was like, holy shit, I need to check this out. And, um, the price was right and I grabbed it. So, yeah, I don't think I heard of it until you said something. Um, and it's weird cause I followed this stuff, you know, at festivals and TIFF. And I, yeah. I don't know. That one just kind of. Well, I know that uh, Jay Hawkinson saw it at TIFF. Of course, he, Jay he saw it at TIFF or he saw it somewhere. He, he, but I know that for sure it was at TIFF. And I don't know where else it was shown. But, um, but yeah, it just kind of was shown there. And as far as the, you know, a U.S. release or whatever, domestic release, it just uh, didn't get brought up. It probably wouldn't have made any money because, you know, people hold Clint Eastwood in high regard and having a remake of a very – well, uh, it, did it win? Did it win Oscars? You know, Oscar-winning, yeah, you know, one Western one by Clint Eastwood. This is kind of a probably a hard sell, but um, so maybe you know, maybe over over there in Region Two, you know, in Japan and in the UK is probably a, a better sell. But I, I, if you ever see this, uh, if you're interested, you know, don't go out and buy the steel book if you don't want to spend that much that much money. But um. If you're in- interested, I mean, keep this on your radar and check it out when you when you find it. Hmm. <coughs> Whoa, you okay? Yeah, you be, gonna be okay? Get, still, still getting getting over uh, the cold here. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, next up, I finally got around to watching Robert Eggers' The Witch. Took you long enough. I know. I was gonna the weekend it came out. I was gonna go see it in the theater, and then uh, I think something came up, and I couldn't get out of the theater. It was the one thing I wanted to go catch. But um, I missed it, but finally saw it on when it came out on Blu-ray this last week. And holy shit, man. Uh, I don't know if I was prepared for this film. It's like a, it's like a, an hour and a half of just spiral into uneasy dread, you know? Yeah. And it's fantastic. It's really well done. The cinematography is gorgeous. The acting's phenomenal. Um, and just how the story, you know, spy, like starts to unspool is kind of, is, it's not conventional, which I loved. And I, I think Robert Eggers is a fantastic director. I think this is, it's amazing that this is his first film. Um, cause it's like, you know, normally I feel like people's first films are kind of like tread, you know, kind of dipping their toe in, you know, to the water to, and kind of doing something really safe and, and just something to get something under the belt. But this is like original and just daring and, and not conventional. And I know that it got some bad reviews from people saying those boring and blah. I couldn't understand what they're saying because they're talking in old English like things like that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like the it follows as well. Like you can't, you can't say anything good about a movie or say it's good because, you know, it's like people watch them. It, it it drives me crazy because it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna watch this and it's not gonna be as good as you say. Yeah, 
And it's like, dude, what is your like? What is people's problems? Time to check out what all the hype's about. No, yeah. fucking watch the movie, dude. Like, just watch it. Yeah, pretend that no one said anything. I, I don't know. This is one of my favorite movies. Um, yeah, and that it's I've tough. So far, because I, you know, when I when I saw it, you know, I saw it at um, oh, Fantastic Fest or whatever, mm-hmm. and I immediately said, it's, to me, that was to the one thing I can compare it to is, um, you know, Halloween. Because Halloween, there's a sense of dread through the entire movie, and that's what makes it scary. Mm-hmm. Michael Myers doesn't make anything scary. It's just how it's the uneasiness yeah. that you that something's off, and that's how the witch is. But it doesn't in a different way through kind of not telling you, um, you know, because you know Michael Myers is an escaped convict. It's just that. The music, I guess it's kind of the same thing. The music and the way it's shot. It yeah, there's, like, there's a confidence yeah, that you, Halloween, you know, gives out. <laughs> you know, something like John Carpenter was super, it comes across that he was super confident with telling that story. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Robert Eggers here. I'm, I'm, I would love to see, you know, what he does next. And I, and I, I love the setting. Like I love that he took these actual, you know, uh, kind of folk tales about witches and like he took the actual stories and wove them into this story. And so all the stuff that you see the witch do or, or they talk about with witches and how things were worth that time. Like he took directly from that time from people writing and, and the stories at, at that time. So it's like, yeah. and it's, it's, and it's, they don't really focus on, they're more focusing on the, this, this family and how, this possible witch in the wood is affecting them. And I like that he's not afraid to, you know, like no one is safe at all. Even, a, even this is, a, this is a family. So various age ranges of kids and not one of them is safe. And that makes the movie operate a whole other level. Cause sometimes mainstream movies, you know, that as, at a certain age, these kids, the kids are going to be fine. You know what I mean? Kind of like how, kind of like how they treat dogs. <laughs> you know, you know yep. that the, pretty much the dog's always going to be safe, even though everyone else dies. You know, the pet's going to be safe. Um. So, but I, I, I liked that he, and 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 I think Lionsgate released this was, but did he did they pick it up after it screened at festivals? Because this seems like something like a studio would want to tamper with, and this yeah. seems very much. That it was done without the tampering of a studio. Yeah, no, um, yeah, A24 is the company that picked it up and they picked it up like, they picked up a lot of movies at, um, at Fantastic Fest. Okay. So. Cool. And now Lionsgate released this. So yeah, it's, it's good. And it's, I mean, some people think like, well, it's not scary. So I didn't like it, but it's, it isn't about how many times you jump in a film. It's about the overall tone and feeling of the film and once it ends like how you feel and i thought this was just just an, an amazing film and i want to watch it again so but uh, the actress is is great um gosh what's her name is it anna taylor joy anya, uh, anya taylor joy yeah i didn't really pay attention to her name she's just fantastic yeah she's great so um Anyway, I watched the behind the scenes. There's, there's a small little behind the scenes on it, and and it's just fun seeing them because they're like they were all interviewed while they were filming the film. So, um, 
it's cool seeing that their reactions to the filming process came through to the final to the final product, and it's something that they they all could be extremely proud of. So, um, and uh, that's well, I mean, everything else I watched with my kids, I watched uh, Krampus with my kids. That was yeah. the that was the big to do over the weekend. My daughter saw me brought it bring it home, and saw the Blu-ray case, and her and her friends have been talking about it since it came out last year. And so she's known about it and been super intrigued. Some of her friends said it was the scariest thing they'd ever seen. (laughs) So she was kind of mulling over, uh, looking at the box yesterday, just kind of just trying to decide whether or not she'd want be brave enough to watch it. And, uh, she finally agreed like, look, I want to watch this. And, uh, we sat down and my son kind of joined us after the movie had started. Cause he was like, no way, hell no, I'm going to go here and play Minecraft. He got curious because the gingerbread, he wanted to see the gingerbread men. So he heard them, came in and watched basically from the introduction of the gingerbread, uh, once they come down the chimney through, um, all the stuff in the attic with all the creatures and all that kind of stuff. And then he bounced. <laughs> that was like enough for him. And he was like, I've seen what I got. I've seen what I need to see. Uh, it's getting kind of scary. So I better bail, but my daughter stuck with it through the whole film and uh she loved it like she's had had a blast of it she's like that wasn't scary that was fun and uh so kind of like the little seeds of horror are growing in this little girl so she's now she wants to now she's asking me like what's next what can we watch next so i need to basically pull together all my kid friendly horror like uh the whole uh she's seen monster squad she's seen gremlins but so that my, my job is to find um you know did you like the hole? I couldn't stand it. It was okay. I want to see what, how my kids react to it. I think she would, mm. you know, it's very, very, it's very much a kid film. I liked it all right though. I remember I haven't seen it in years mm. since it came out. So that's, that's my goal. So, um, anyone has any kid friendly horror stuff, shoot it my way. And I know that Brad, Brad, you've, you've written stuff up, haven't you? You know, you wrote a thing about killer kids. That's different. Yeah. Um, I, I have a list. I just never, it's just finding the time to actually write yeah. an article or, you know, a list. I, I would just probably just do a list instead. Yeah. But well, yeah, I went through a bunch and just kind of did, uh, you know, a kid friendly, um, horror. Yeah. yeah Basically, it's cool. if you want to mold, mold your kids, almost like this, I was going to do like a, like a setup too. like, you start with this, see how it works. Right. Right. Well, I've I've been kind of doing that with my daughter and she's slowly getting more and more interested in in certain things and a little bit braver. I mean, she's, she watched the first Terminator with me and, uh, which is more of a, you know, more of an action, but still for her, she was kind of like, that was scary. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I think, I I think the first Terminator is more of a horror movie than a science fiction movie. Yeah. Well, she, she watched that and, she kind of took a break from that for a while. She's like, I think I'm going to take a break. So it's like she's kind of going in at her own pace, and I'm just like kind of once she's ready, kind of guiding her through things. So it's pretty cool as a, as a parent kind of being able to, you know, guide your child through this stuff. And like my other – other my, my son, he doesn't like being scared, and, you know, he'll, he'll – he won't want to watch something. I'm totally cool with that, you know. Um, he's on his own little journey. So he's more like me when I was that age. I was scared of everything. So, um, I think that's it, man. That's all I got. 
We don't want to talk about Marvel movies. No. That's all the all, all the other crap I've watched. So, what's up, man? What's on your doorstep? Well, I um, let's see things I need to talk about. Um, I talked about. I'm just going to run through these uh, a few because I've uh, watched them at festivals and haven't really spoke about them. Um, recently, mainly because if you talk about something at a festival like I do, it's not released for like a year and a half or two years <laughs> or, or never. So I'm just going to run <clears throat> through a few films that I think uh, you guys should check out. Um, it, this comes out on Blu-ray soon. I think IFC and Screen Factory are releasing it. And since they're kind of contemporary titles, everybody stays away from them because they kind of suck. Um, this one does not. Um, this is called Baskin. Um, I saw it at uh, Fantastic Fest, I think. I think it was le- last last year. Um, it's getting released very soon. You can find it on iTunes and I think on Amazon Prime to, to rent. Um, it's basically if – I think Tarantino would be proud. It's like uh, Reservoir Dogs go to hell, that type <laughs> of thing. Um, you know, it's about five asshole kind of cops – um, who kind of do what they want. Uh, it's, it's also Turkish as well. Um, and they get tied up in a nightmare. And hmm. literally the movie is, once everything starts going, it literally is like the worst dream you've ever had. But the, like the best dream as well. Um, it's just a complete fucking night. It's a nightmare movie. Like you are sitting there and you just don't know what to expect because anything can happen. Because it's like out of the realm of possibilities. So, um, it just all unfolds with them, um, in this whole nightmare scenario. It's a really good special effects are great. The gore is fucking awesome. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out. Um, another film that hit, uh, voodoo recently, um, and also like iTunes and Amazon. This was my number one for last year until I saw the witch, but it's, uh, Karen uh, Kusama's uh, The Invitation. And this is another film. I love slow burns. I love the sense of dread. I love feeling uneasy through an entire movie. Uh, Jump scares and all that other shit really doesn't really get to me because I've been dealing with it so long, you know, watching horror films when I was little. That stuff doesn't scare me. It's this unsettled, like just this, I like being having that feeling of just being unsettled, just sitting there and like being nervous mm-hmm. because I'm not being informed fully. And that's the reason why I like those films. The Invitation very much does that. It opens up within maybe about 20 minutes. You kind of understand what's going on and you're like, wait a second. Well, it's kind of obvious what's going to happen, right? It's very obvious what's kind of happening, but it's like you have a stick of dynamite that you lit the fuse and it went down into the dynamite and you don't know if it's going to blow up or not. So you're you're sitting there the entire time with this. It's like a firecracker that you lit and you're like, wait a second, should I go up and look at it? Should I see if I can relight the wick? You know, and and it's very much like that. And it's uh, performances are great all around. The movie is super suspenseful. Um, and it, you know, that's about all I can say. If you know what it's about, don't let that be like, oh, it's obvious. So that's what's going to happen in the movie. 
still give it a shot because they do it in such a way to actually surprise you at times. Um, the next one is, I talked about this at uh, South by Southwest 2014. Dang. And this was released on Blu-ray um, recently. I don't know, the past, like, maybe, it was released, like, in March, I want to say. But I didn't really talk about it because, uh, I honestly, I forgot. Um, it's <laughs> a found footage movie, so everybody needs to calm down. Um, it's called Hangman. It's got, like, Jeremy Sisto, Amy Smart, um, uh, has, uh, what's her name? She's from Shaun of the Dead. She's the main, main lady. Well, anyways, she's super cute. It doesn't matter. Um, so it's a found footage movie about a guy who – this is not spoilery because this happens within five minutes. He basically hangs out at the airport, sees people park their car, gets in their car, hits home on their GPS, then goes to their house and sets up his cameras and waits for them to come back from vacation. Wow. Um, it's a really – like found footage – always has that question of what would you do, you know, and mainly most people's, I think, problems with found footage is, uh, is it logical? Are people making logical choices even the, in the, the line of fear? Because you have to think, oh, I would do this. No, you don't. You don't know that because you are not in that situation. If you have a gun pointed to your face, you could say, yeah, I would take that gun and I would shoot that person. No, you would probably freeze, and then if they wanted to shoot you, you'd probably get shot. <laughs> yeah, like very few people would be able to do the hero activity that they say they would do. Um, that's just life. Uh, Hangman is fun in the sense of this; it's very creative on the sense of um, kind of the villain is in a way looked upon as not the worst guy in the world. <laughs> no, he's a terrible person, absolutely <laughs> terrible person, but you just can't help, but want to see what he's doing next. Um, because he's not tormenting or has a family tied up yet. He just fucks with them. And I think that is the best part of the movie is that he doesn't scare them. He doesn't make creaky noises through the house. He doesn't, doesn't, like do shit. He just like will move something, put something out of place. Uh, then it gets a little bit more hardcore, and he starts fucking with stuff in the house. Um, so it's it's almost like watching these people just deal with it. Like, what would you do? Like, I come home and something's out of place, or this is happening, and you know you blame the kids for it, you blame your husband for it. I don't know. I think it's a really creative setup, um, and it's not like you know the best movie in the world. It's got a killer soundtrack. Um, because the <laughs> the hangman listens to this fucking one song throughout the movie. He plays it all the time. Um, but it's a really cool song. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I got around to watching RLJ's release of The Haunting of Alice D. Uh Kane Hodder's in this movie. Um, that's pretty much it. It's um, it's a story that takes place now um but in the past prostitution house this uh sister these sisters one was older one was younger one's murdered the other one is uh 
you know, kind of kidnapped in a way. And she's already a prostitute, but she's very young. Um, and then it goes to a bunch of kind of, <clears throat> I don't know, friends, pimps, whatever. They like they try to run a whorehouse. They end up at this um, mansion where all this stuff took place, and then they start getting picked off. It's it's. I can't really say anything good about the movie because it's just sex scene after sex scene after sex scene, <laughs> and then shit going down. And you really don't see much either. It's you don't really see the ghost. You really don't see what's actually offing these people. It's just a, and it's really, it's just a, not a very good movie that will show up soon on, um, Netflix. Um, next up is cherry tree. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of cherry tree, but if you dig monsters and stuff like Nightbreed, you're going to fucking love cherry tree. Um, it's, Basically, somebody that really, really, really loved Nightbreed made <laughs> kind of their own movie, um, and it's one of the, another nightmare movie. It's it's just I, I can't really say because if you say anything about it, you kind of tell too much. It's one of those movies that um, you sit down and you just think you're watching just kind of this normal. Uh, family um, problems, stuff like that. And then it just dives in. If you look at the cover and you see like the woman with like the black eyes, it's like kind of squeezing, I guess a centipede or something. (laughs) That's where the movie goes very quickly. And then it turns into kind of a monster movie. Some of the best monster effects I've seen in a while. Um, Really cool monsters are all different. Um, So definitely something to check out. I think uh, IFC Midnight released it. Um, this was not associated with Screen Factory, I don't think. Hmm. Um, so definitely something to check out. It'll probably show up on Netflix then if it's yeah, NFC. It's one of those things that I think will, in hopes that it becomes one of those last shift, the hollow movies, you know, where it's 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 okay, but I think people will really enjoy it. It's just I don't the movie wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could definitely see a lot of people digging uh, Cherry Tree. Um, and you can't really say too much about it. That's the weird thing. Um, just because you don't want to give anything away. Uh, next up is The Mirror. This popped up on Vudu and Amazon um, last year or a year and a half ago. Finally, it had a DVD release. Um, DVD only. Um it's another found footage movie about uh, kids that want to enter into this paranormal contest. So they basically purchase this haunted mirror. Um, and it's kind of a cool setup. You know, I, I like the idea of this paranormal test thing. So they set up the cameras and they purchase something that's paranormal and then they test it out in their apartment. That's cool. But, dude, this is the slowest movie I've seen in the longest time. And when I say slow and I say nothing really happens, it is the cameras on all the kids and they just talk uh, about what's not actually happening. Uh, and it's like you're not going to get me attached to these characters because, number one, the script's not strong. Number two, they're not likable. And it spends so much time with these characters. And I think the movie's trying to grab you and make you feel sorry for them. 
but it just does not achieve that. It has a couple uh, cool moments, um, like POV of the, uh, you know, because once starts happening, you know, it's kind of a possession thing where the mirror takes over, you know, your body. And then, like, I guess their spirits are inside the people, and then they go with the camera with a knife down an alley or something. Kind of the POV stuff like that's cool. Uh, some of the scary shit towards the end um, is all right. But definitely not good. So don't listen. But watch it for yourself if you like found footage movies and horror movies. But I will not recommend this movie to anybody <laughs> that likes actual cinema. Well, the cover, um, I saw the cover, and that's something I would immediately skip over. It, yeah. I, I guarantee yeah, the it will show up at Walmart. Yeah, the cover's like super generic. I don't know if it will. Film Movement released this, and they're very, very small. Oh, really? And you can't ever find any of their stuff. Like, you always have to order it off Amazon. So I think this is kind of a movie that <laughs> will not really see the light of day. And speaking of The Last Shift, so uh, Anthony DeBalsi has a new movie. Um, you know, if. We've talked about the last shift on the show. He did, uh, you know, Casa Casadega. He did, you know, last shift. He did um, Missionary. He did that Dread movie, that Clyde Barker adaptation. Um, he's a likable uh, director. Everybody really likes Anthony DeBalsi. Um, I don't mind the guy. I think he does have talent. I just want to see it. I am, um, and I don't mean that in a mean way. Um, so I always watch his movies because I, I think he has a lot of potential. So I'm waiting for him to really like kick it into high gear and impress me. So his next movie is a slasher. And I was like, okay, that's badass because we don't have slashers anymore. You know, that ran in the kind of that came back in the 90s and then faded out very quickly after, you know, no one could do what Scream did. Or I know what you did last summer. Um so we haven't had a slasher in a while. This was set up around um, graduation um, where these guys are meeting for their like 10-year uh, reunion. They meet up at a house uh, before the reunion, and uh, a killer in a cap and gown um, shows up and starts killing them off and kind of secludes them. It's like in a secluded home area. Uh, one of the guys became like a famous hockey player, so he uh, invites everybody up to his uh, mansion, and it's like in the hills, like out of out in the middle of nowhere. And so he just the, this killer just starts killing him off. Very standard slasher, um, but just never hits those right like tunes. It it wants to be you know um, wants to be slaughter high in in, in a way, but. Because that's what you're thinking the whole time, and this is very reminiscent of Slaughter High. Just you know, doesn't have the goofiness, but it you know, it's all those characters you really don't care for. Um, it, and it wants it, it tries to be old, like like homagey and stuff like that, and just really doesn't doesn't really do it for me. So I'm kind of curious to see how this is um, received what? from the horror community, since What's everybody kind of. I don't think you said the name. Oh, it's called most likely to die. So, um, I want to see how the horror community kind of accepts this because they're very, they like his movies and I'm, 
I'm always going to watch Anthony Balsi film because I do think the guy has potential and I think he will make a movie that I really like. Um, but for the most part, some of these movies are just, you know, kind of bland. Hmm. All right. Next up I have, um, this is a movie I've seen a few times that I wanted to check out the U S arrow, um, copy is of the stuff directed by Larry Cohen, which um, any horror fan should know. I, even if you don't know who Larry Cohen is, you've seen a Larry Cohen movie oh, yeah. at some point in your life. So the stuff is, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it. Stuff is in the ground um, and it's manufactured to a dessert and, and then it kind of like consumes you. As Michael Morarty says, who plays Mo Rutherford, you know, are you eating it or is it eating you? Which is always my favorite line of the movie. Yeah. Um, still, like, I've always enjoyed it, but it's one of those movies that is – it fizzles out once they introduce Paul Sovereno's Colonel character. And then it becomes, like, really campy and killer tomato-ish. Yeah. And it wasn't like that in the very beginning. It's, you know, kind of it's almost like a Paul like Paul Verhoeven made like a horror film. It's very much kind of like it can't be in that sense, but also serious. So I never really understood why the direction changed. And I'll, and people always say, Oh, it's always like kind of campy and weird and cartoonish. It's like, no, once they introduce like the Colonel and the soldiers show up and they start taking over like the factory, like it just becomes a totally different movie. It's not dark and campy anymore. It becomes really silly. Um, and then it kind of gets back to it a little bit kind of, you know, and then I don't know, this stuff, I, I really enjoy it, but, I could really do with a different type of movie for the last 30 minutes. Would you say this one could possibly be uh, improved with a remake? Yeah, I, I totally think uh, this would be a good, uh, a good remake because of, I don't know. I think, I think they were limited with, with this movie and I think that a different direction would do it some good. Yeah. I love the movie. It's it's for me. It's I've always just kind of gone with the goof. Once it gets goofy, just kind of gone with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I, I, do too, I, I love the movie, it's, but it's just it's one of those things. Rewatching it, like I almost forget that it gets like that each time. Arrow did a great job. Uh, you know, this is one of their UK that they did a while ago, um, and then they brought this over to the US whenever they came over here. So it's been released on Blu-ray for. Quite some time, I think. Um, so transfers were, you know, the same. Special features were the same. I have actually both. Um, <laughs> so, you know, everything's pretty much identical. Um, it looks good for uh, most parts. Every once in a while, it gets like super grainy, and, uh, and it's just—I don't know if it's a damage to the film or just kind of—I um, can't remember if it's a new transfer, but it's just. Most of it, it looks great. I think it's great. a new transfer. They're both, I mean, both releases are the same, but I mean, it, when they did it originally, it was a new transfer. Yeah. I just think it's just some of the damage of the film is probably there. Yeah. So, especially some of the dark areas. Um, but anyways, yeah, if you like this stuff, pick it up. It's still, um, you know, still a classic. Um, 
And then uh, next up, I watched watched one of my favorite movies. I was very happy that this got a Blu-ray release. I've always been a fan, um, and I love my DVD. It was went long out of it's been way out of print for a long time. Um, I remember I used to when I was younger and I lived at home, and I was like working a blockbuster in order to buy stuff. I would go to a site called CD Universe that sold DVDs on the side. So I would go to, and it wasn't like it was, you know, of course, DVD universe, right. but like it started off as CDs and then they started carrying like video games and then adult films later on and stuff like that. Um, but anyways, uh, they were always relatively cheap. So I would just go to horror and then sort by lowest price. And I would just pretty much just pick like weekly their uh, cheapest horror movies. And eventually, and I mean, I got code red DVDs from there when they used to, you know, we're talking also like, you know, over 10 years ago. Um, and so I came across the zero boys was in that. I had no idea what it was, um, but I picked it up and eventually got around to it. And I was like, shit, it's so fucking good. And um, I would always show it to friends and stuff that would like slashers or, you know, action horror films and, um, you know, it's like, this is basically when to explain it to somebody, I'm like, it's the Hills have eyes like meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets, you know, kind of a Friday the 13th esque, um, where the paintballers get murdered and Jason lives. If those guys actually survived and Jason hunted those. Like it, it's very like it's it's super cool. It, the, the story is these um, kind of competition paintballers called the Zero Boys um, are in a big competition at the beginning of the movie. Uh, they win and they're going to go celebrate. So they go on the road and they celebrate. They um, Kelly Maroney, who's in it, who's in um, Night of the Comet, who's in Chopping Mall. She's uh, she's in it. She's kind of uh, one of the only stars that I recognizable faces. The other people have played in a few things, but she's the most, uh, I guess, uh, notable um, from from horror. She sees somebody in the distance uh, running away, and they see a, they come across a house. It's very much like Wrong Turn Turn as well in you know, the remake or not remake. Um, what is kind of rips off the hills of eyes in a way, but um, kind of the wrong turn esque with uh, Eliza Dushku and I think Jeremy Sisto's in that too, right? <laughs> I have no idea. Jeremy Sisto's like in everything. Um, so they end up at a house, uh, you know, and they're just like, okay, well, we're just going to stay here for a little bit and have a party because it's starting to get dark and it starts to rain. So they just kind of occupy this house that is obviously <laughs> occupied by, whoever is fucking with them. And then um, you find out that zero boys <laughs> for some weird, odd reason it works because it fits the mo- It helps with the movie, but it doesn't make any logical sense is that they practice with real ammunition when, they're <laughs> when they're practicing with paintball. So they have these guns uh, on the side and they come across like a torture farm, um, you know, very cannibal, um, you know, killer, backwoods deliverance type thing. It's another thing that reminds you of deliverance a little bit. Um, and just, this is directed by the guy that did Island of death, which was funny mm-hmm. because that was the one movie I didn't see by him. And that arrow first released. And I just did not enjoy that movie at all. 
Um, but this I, I've always loved because it's corny, it's campy, it's a lot of fun, there's a lot of action. The soundtrack is fucking awesome. Hans Zimmer was one of the uh, musicians on the soundtrack. And, like, he's really good at, like, military, um, you know, soundtracks. He does, he did, like, didn't he do, like, Captain America and stuff like that? He's just really good at using that kind of, and Alan Silvestri as well. Uh, he wasn't on, on this movie, but those two are really good at, like, military uh, soundtrack. I think, actually, yeah. Yeah, Alan Silvestri did Civil War or uh, Captain America movies. But everybody knows, you know, who Hans Zimmer is. He's one of the most popular uh, musicians out there. Um, but he, the soundtrack's great. The movie looks fucking great too. Like the cinematography, um, and just the camera movement is really, really good and not what you would expect from kind of a low budget horror film. Um, but these guys use their cameras in the most perfect way to shoot, uh, and make things creepy, uh, kind of capture the surrounding area, the desolate kind of farm, um, and also I think, you know, it's funny cause I mentioned Jason lives and I know that they mentioned Friday the 13th in the movie. And I want to say in the special features that they actually use the same set as, huh. um, one of the Friday the 13th movies. So you'll see things pop. Like if you pay attention to Friday the 13th part three and watch this, you kind of see <laughs> the same locations, you know, the cabin and the barn, <laughs> um, part threes with like with Shelly who, you know, Jason gets his mask, mm-hmm. um, and everything like that. Did you know, fun fact, did you know that Jason was only supposed to use the mask for one kill? Oh really? Yeah. He was supposed to take it. Like, I think they were going to use it for that one shot after he kills Shelly and grabs the mask and he shoots the girl he's trying to hook up with, with the harpoon in the face. Right. Um, Apparently it was only supposed to be for that one scene that I think it's what I read. And then he was just supposed to like, you know, take it off. But they thought, man, it looks pretty fucking cool. Like we'll just keep it. So apparently that wasn't intentional in a way. Like they kind of made that up during the movie. Nice. But anyways, um, zero boys, great action, uh, great characters. They're all pretty likable. They have asshole characters. They have like kind of the goofy, they have the serious, um, but it is, it's a very likable character. Like you don't want to see these people meet their demise. Um, so it's just, it is, it's just a ton of fun. Like I, I can't recommend this movie more and it is fun because to actually tell people about it because now it's available, you know, yeah. like I said, it was on DVD and then, um, shortly after I purchased it, it became out of print. You couldn't find it. And no one know, no one knew who the zero or what the movie, the zero boys was. Um, and it was kind of frustrating cause you wanted to talk about this movie, but how do people see the zero boys? Um, so it was, I was really, that was kind of one of my more anticipated releases from arrow. Cause I was such a fan when I was younger and watching it on Blu-ray recently. Like, I'm like, God damn, this movie looks so good. And it's really bizarre. Like why, like, why does it look so good? How does it look so good? You know, kind of a cheap, um, you know, uh, horror film directed by, uh, you know, a Greek, a Greek guy who really likes to, um, push limits. Like he pushes limits in all his movies. Um, this, he pushes kind of just silliness. Like the whole fact that they practice was live ammunition. (laughs) You scratch your head. You're like, 
wait a second, why would you practice with live ammunition? Like, do you shoot at one another? Like, why do you have Uzis? But the reason why they have Uzis is because it turns out to be an action movie. Of course. Um, and it's a slasher on the side. Man, some of it, like, it's just, I can't wait for you to watch it. Some of the shots with kind of um, the silhouettes in the distance, like when they kind of tease at the killers and stuff. Um, like just, just how the light comes through the trees, the shadows that they're completely dark, dude, it looks fucking beautiful. It's so good. Sweet. Um, so I really hope this is definitely worth every penny. So if it's like a 2788 is usually what they cost. I know Amazon, hopefully grindhouse video has them. Uh, I think they do. I got price. mine from, from grindhouse video. Yeah. Buy it from Brent. Fuck Amazon. Buy from Grindhouse Video. Like, that's the thing. Mike's having, like, his prices. I did that uh, cheaper than Amazon hashtag. Mm -hmm. And, like, yeah, he's got a lot of – so before you jump on Amazon because you have Amazon Prime, check Grindhouse Video out because I think I had, like, ten movies. Like, even some of those bigger packs. Yeah. Mike was a ton. It was – was some of them were, you know, a few bucks to, like, $15 cheaper, like, difference. For his for his title, so yeah, definitely uh, check it. out. He has it in stock because I was just at his store. He has specials every now and then too. He had a pre order special for a Scorpion Prison box. Yeah, set. he also did it with I think uh, Killer Dames as well. Yeah, and, and over the weekend it was like super cheap. So follow him on Twitter, um, ghv gh video, I believe is the, is the name of Twitter. But go you know go to screamcast.com slash sponsors you. Get right to their website, right through there. But yeah, I mean, if you if you follow him on social media, you'll occasionally he'll do stuff like that, and uh, it's you know it's it's really good to be paying attention because you can get some good deals that way. Yeah, I think he had bloodbath super cheap too. Yeah, and then he also posted pictures on his Facebook of used stuff that comes in, and I'm looking through it, and I'm like, half those are probably Brad's. Um. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but if he doesn't list them on the website, but if you hit him up on social media, he'll totally sell them to you. You can look through the, look through the stack and say, Hey, how much for this, this and this? And he'll get back to you. And, um, and I don't know. I really love when he posts those because I kind of, I loved looking through used, you know, the used bins at, at movie stores. And I don't have those out here anymore. And there's never any good stuff. Uh, the, the couple stores around here that, that do sell movies, used movies. So uh, it's like I always take the time to look through all those pictures and make sure, you know, see if there's anything I'm missing that I can get. Yeah, I always, price. I'm always messaging them and tell them to save me, save yeah. me movies. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, good little plug for Granite's video. I mean, I'm really happy. He's, he sends stuff out super fast. Um, if there's ever a, he's never had a male problem until mine <laughs> with Bride of the Reanimator. Yeah. And, um, but he was very fair with that. We, I, you know, we, we gave it, you know, we gave it so much, so much time to pass by. But, um, by the way, shout out to listener Will Terrace. He works for the United States Post Office and he tried to track down my missing package to no avail. That thing is gone. But, uh, but thanks, Will. That was, that was really nice of you. All right, we're going to be talking possession in just a little bit. But first, we need to break to Josh Obershaw for the news. Josh, what's going on, man? Hey, Sean. How's it going? It's It's good to be back. (laughs) I know. had a little hiatus last week. 
apologize to everyone. And, and it's funny because the last time I was like, well, there's not that much news. And then I realized that, uh, I think the day we posted the episode, uh, well, we took, we took a, well, we took last week off. I'm, I'm all confused now, but the, yeah, the last show, but yeah, there's been a lot of news, a lot of stuff going on. So <laughs> I'm going to shut up and, uh, let you get right to it. Okay. Well, first off, um, yeah, there's a list of movies that I want to go through. I know that I've been really negligent on the Code Red front, but that's only because all we've gotten lately are just title announcements. Yeah. There really weren't much news attached to these. So it just, but it started to accumulate. So I just thought I'd run off a little list of uh, the stuff that Code Red have planned to come out in the next months or however long it takes to get these out. So the list includes The Jigsaw Murders, The Dark, Black Candles, Cut and Run, which is going to be released in conjunction with Lakeshore Entertainment, Headhunter, In the Aftermath, Savage Attraction, a.k.a. Hostage, Screams of a Winter Night, The Working Girls, uh, 1981 Scream, and this is an interesting one. Wes Craven presents Mind Ripper, which um, <laughs> I found out. I found out via Rob Galuzzo, who wrote it on Blumhouse.com. This is a movie that was known in other territories as The Hills Have Eyes Three. Yes. Yeah. So crazy. I know. I didn't, I didn't even know that there was a hills have eyes three <laughs> even though it's even though it's a foreign title just to capitalize on something that came beforehand it, it, it's still it read so so that is the list of all the movies that code red planned on releasing in the near future yeah i know that so uh, moving on no well, D- diabolic uh diabolic dvd.com they did get six code red titles in stock um one of them has sold out already, and it's the one that I was making fun of for the, uh, with the typo. Oh, shoot, which one was that? I posted a picture of it. Hold on. Oh, Devil Times 5 is sold out already. Um, he, I, I believe they're, that Diabolic DVD is gonna get more in, so by the time you hear this, maybe they have more. But there is a, there's a typo right at the top of the, of the packaging at, uh, he spelled the wrong. Is quoting, uh, it says, not since Village of the Damned has death become so savage, but the is spelled wrong. T H G E. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh. so. Yep, so this will become a collector's item once he, if, if, he, if he reprints this once it sells out. But I mean, if you follow, if you follow Code Red, it's not surprising that there's a typo. I've been wondering if any typos would ever show up on on any of his releases, and here we go. Oh god! (laughs) But uh, the titles that they have, uh, the titles that they have up right now, and uh, I'm I'm going to be getting a couple of these. Uh, Black Gestapo is one that I'm very interested in in grabbing. Cheerleaders Wild Weekend, Death Journey. Devil, Di- Devil Times 5, you can order now because they say they're going to be getting more. Um, and there's a movie called Forest that looks like it's sold out but it, for now, but he's, they're getting more. Uh, mean Johnny Barrows, and I think that's it. So, so it looks like Devil Times 5 and Forest sold out pretty quick. But I've never heard of Forest. Forest is just kind of one of those backwoods slasher flicks. 
So I have no idea if it's good or not. But uh, is it called the forest? It's just called Forest. Oh, okay. Because I know of an uh, early '80s slasher that they put out called The Forest. I wasn't sure if that was the exact same movie, but yeah, I, I have, know. If it is, if it is, I have seen that. It's and all right. But if it's not, then I can't comment on that. All I know is it's a cannibalistic knife wielding madman in the California wilderness. That's probably it. Okay. That's probably. Oh, you know, you know what? It, it does it, say The Forest. You're right. That's right. I just, I just zoomed in on the cover. That is a bizarre one. Is it? Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. I mean, the thing about Code Red is they announce these titles, and then they just kind of show up. They either show up at Diabolic, or they'll show up at Screen Archives. So um, he never really puts out announcements. It's, 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 a, it's a one-man show. We've talked about Code Red quite a bit. And uh, Brad's basically, I think, been banned from ordering it <laughs> directly from him. Oh no! I, I, either that or he—I don't know. Either that or he just doesn't want to give money directly to to Bill. He always finds roundabout ways of getting the code red. But the the movies are always solid, like always bizarre. And if you're into collecting those types of films, like gosh, he gets such good movies. So uh, they're always a bit pricey. So every time out, I need to either just stick with one or two, and I need to try to make sure they're really good ones. So, all right. That's enough of the code red, right? <laughs> uh, after that typo, yeah, I was done already. But oh that's my okay. gosh! Okay. <laughs> uh, next, we got <clears throat> is from Scorpion releasing. They just uh, reveal some tentative artwork. Yes, I'm making air quotes about that <laughs> for their Blu-ray release of Teen Witch. Uh, star Robin Lively apparently likes it, but they had to get get approval from the studio before it becomes final artwork and they are shooting it for an October release. We don't have anything exact, but at least we know that one's coming out soon, especially in time for Halloween. Nice. If you're looking, if you're looking to have more like a family friendly Halloween party for your kids, which would probably be a good one to go with. And next to also from Scorpion, this is uh, something we typed up on the uh, on the website all the way back in January. Uh, they announced that they were going to be putting out a Blu-ray of the movie Don't Go in the House. Mm-hmm. We have some details on that now. There's going to be a brand new HD scan of the original negative with the title card, The Burning, hmm. which is interesting. Not the Screen Factory release Burning. A- no, no, yeah. it's um I guess I guess in some markets it was known as the burning. Huh. That's uh very very odd, but there's also an alternate title card separate from the film itself with the title Don't Go in the House. That's funny. There's also a commentary there's also a commentary with star Dan Grimaldi, an interview with Grimaldi, a trailer, a new interview with co-star Robert Osis. And this is an interesting feature at Don't Go in the House again. This is a tour of the Strauss Mansion and another feature called Ghost Hunting in the Strauss Mansion with Greg Caggiano. Now, this is going to be coming out in July. We don't have an exact date for that yet. But just to warn everybody, this is going to be limited to 1,500 copies. Yeah. Apparently, they, uh, according to their Facebook page, they only have the rights until December or until this runs out, whichever comes first. Wow. That's truly odd. 
Yeah, hey, this been, they must have had some issues with getting that actually put together and out. You know what I mean? There must have been some, some delays. That's not a very big window. No, it's not. It's really, really short. I, I, I just, you know, it's really, really hard to collect these things when there's such a limited window in order to get these. Yeah. Well, especially Whether if you're trying to it, budget your money, it's like, there's just so many of these things. It's, uh, it gets, it almost gets, uh, overwhelming for me, for me, it does, you know, cause I, I buy a lot of movies. I shouldn't buy as many as I do. And every time I try to start budgeting, so I'm like, it's getting out of hand. Something like this happens where it's like, well, <laughs> you know, you only have a window of this amount of time to buy this thing. I'm always scared. Right. That it's also extra. Yeah, it's also extra daunting when you can. I, I think you mentioned this before that who knows if these things will ever be released again because Blu-ray might be the last physical media we ever have. Yeah, that's extra scary. <laughs> uh, moving on to Arrow Video, they announced their uh, August lineup a little while ago, and I got a couple of things that I want to mention from that from that group. There's a uh, film called Microwave Massacre, mm-hmm. and that's <laughs> oh, you're excited about that one. The cover is amazing. That's never... pretty much the only thing I know about that. It's one of those that I saw in the video store, you know, the VHS cover, and and oh, okay. uh, it's just fascinating cover. It's probably a big steaming pile, but <laughs> I hear it's well, bizarre and um, fun. That's all I know. Yeah, I actually never heard of this movie until I saw the Arrow. Um, the arrow announcement and I went and looked for like a clip on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. It looks so bad. It's good. <laughs> but, uh, there's a host of extras for this one. There's a, uh, a 2k restoration, uh, the original mono audio optional English subtitles. Of course, there's a commentary with writer producer, Greg Muckler moderated by Mike Tristano, a make a new making of featurette, with interviews with Muckler, director Wayne Berwick, and actor Lauren Shine. And there's also going to be a reversible sleeve with new art, which is yet to be revealed. And there's also a booklet with new writing by uh, Stephen, Trou- uh, Stephen Thrower, excuse me, who was on the show last week. Yeah. And this one is coming out in the UK on August 15th, and it'll be out here in the States the next day, August 16th. Very nice. But uh, the highlight of this uh, slate is they're going to be releasing this Yakuza crime film series called Battle Without Honor and Humanity. It's five films, and they're going to be releasing these movies individually. It's not going to come out in a box set. Yeah, because the box set sold out, and I actually I, I, I grabbed it. And they, they did do this quite a bit. They did this with, um, or they're going to do this still with with Hellraiser. Um they did this with um, they did this with a few of their other titles, and and it's great because you know the people who jump on the early limited editions they get the special packaging and everything, and but then people who missed that special thing still can get the movie, and they're still going to be packed with extras. It's just it's not the there's, maybe it's missing a book or the special packaging, but you're still going to get a great Arrow release. I, I like that they do this. I think more companies. I think Screen Factories try to do this, but uh, Arrow seems to be getting it down right. Well, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, uh, these they, these individual releases still have a lot of features. I oh, mean, yeah. uh, there there's some common ones like there's the mono soundtrack, English subtitles, 
but for with the first film, Battle Without Honor and Humanity, it comes with a feature called The Yakuza Graveyard. It's an uh, interview with uh, Takashi Miyake about Kinji Fukasaku and the Yakuza film genre. And all of these films, of course, have a reversible sleeve. It's new commissioned art by Reinhard Kleist. And uh, each one of these movies, the, 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 five movie, the five individual movies, Battle Without Honor and Humanity, Hiroshima Deathmatch, Proxy War, Police Tactics, and Final Episode. They each have their own individual special features among, you know, the mono and the English subtitles. So sounds like you're gonna, still going to get your bang for your buck. Yeah, the things that you're not getting are, are the box. You're not getting the book, the Yakuza Papers. And you're not getting the complete saga uh, limited edition Blu-ray, which is basically what they did was they took all the storylines from the first four episodes and they edited it all together into one one uh, feature. So oh, 224 minutes. <laughs> so so it's kind of like the Godfather saga when they uh, edited yeah. the first two films together in chronological order. Okay, I get right, it. Right. I never so heard of this series until now. Yeah, so, so it's that kind of thing. So you're, you're missing out on a couple things, but I mean, you know, like I if, if I buy a movie, I generally rewatch the movie more than I rewatch all the special features. They're a nice little bonus, but um, but yeah, these uh, at least I'm 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 glad people will at least be able to get these uh, get the films. And I think some of these exactly. boxes are still floating around out there. So, oh, okay. Do some competitive shopping and see, you know, what it'll cost you. Maybe there's a few of these boxes. <laughs> well, um, there is one UK only release that I want to draw attention to because I know there's probably a lot of people here in the States that, that might be interested in this. This is David Cronenberg's early works. Ooh. And yeah, um, I forgot to get the release date on this. I don't have it up with me right now, but it includes. His first two uh, short films, Transfer and From the Drain, and his first two feature films, Stereo and Crimes of the Future. There's also a um, a feature I call Transfer the Future, which is author and critic Kim Newton discusses Cronenberg's early works. And the sleeve features new art by Giles Frank. So if you are in the States and you have a region f- free player and you love Cronenberg, uh, you might want to look into getting that as an import. If you listen to this podcast, you better have a region free Blu-ray player. That's just you need <laughs> to do it. You owe it to yourself. You you must do it. It will change your life. If you haven't done it, two twenty electronics. Get the Sony like fifteen hundred something. That's what I got. It cost me like one hundred and thirty bucks shipped. And uh, you don't need to go all crazy with the three D Blu-ray or anything. Just get a standard. Just get the cheapest one possible. Uh, for whatever your needs are. I got the one with Wi-Fi so it can update, but, uh, the firmware, but, um, cause my corner, my man cave is, does not have a internet port, but otherwise I would have got the cheaper one. But, uh, but yeah, the Sony one works great and it's a pretty, pretty decent price and they, they ship fast. I had it within like two days. So 220 electronics, they'll right hook you up. Now, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. What else have I got? Oh, yes. They said it would never happen, but it is happening. In music news, Glenn Danzig is reuniting with the fucking Misfits. Mm. Can you believe that? That's crazy. I can't believe that. that. That took me by surprise. 
I nearly jumped out of my chair when I read that. I'm like, this is a hoax, right? Someone's punking me right now. And nope, nope, it is, it is, it is going to happen. It's going to be the first time that Glenn Danzig, bassist Jerry only, and his brother and guitarist Doyle Von Frankenstein are going to be on stage for the first time in 33 years. Now, where this is happening, Riot Fest and Carnival, it was started in Chicago, Illinois, in 2005 and it's gone on every year since then it's now expanded to a couple other cities uh denver and toronto although toronto is not happening this year but that's where it's going to be taking place there's a bunch of bands that are going to be playing i know the deftones are going to be playing both venues um rob zombie is going to be in chicago uh this is also going to be the final shows for the band motion city soundtrack uh go to riotfest.org see the lineups get your tickets this is going to be awesome so um, this reunited uh, Misfits lineup is going to be headlining both shows. Now, uh, the Riot Fest and Rodeo is taking place in Denver on September 2nd through the 4th. And the original Riot Fest and Carnival in Chicago, Illinois takes place on September 16th through the 18th. There you go. That's crazy. Because, now, we mean, had a co- they had a falling out. Right? I mean, oh, like, it was like bitter. a hardcore falling out. And then they're just basically... Um, putting all that in the past and just getting together and they want to make these shows really special. I mean, it's, that's, it's really cool. I mean, they're not saying that they're like buddy buddies again and, but they're, they've come to an agreement to just put all that shit in, in the past. So, um, that's really awesome. Yeah. Cause you think about, you know, spending 14 years in court arguing over the name and then just a couple <laughs> of years ago, fighting over royalties right. for hot topic merchandise. Yeah. They yeah. said it would never happen, but I guess it's happening. So that's really, really cool. That's very cool. And, um, I thought that was going to be the news, but we got a couple of juicy tidbits that just dropped today. First yeah. of all, our loyal listener, Luis just pointed out this, um, little interesting tidbit from Jim Wernowski's, um, Facebook page. Apparently, the next Blu-ray that's coming out from Lionsgate following Chopping Mall is going to be Blood Diner. Yes, that's awesome. So that's all the de- that's all the details I have for for that one. But that's going to be the next one. So hopefully, if you guys buy Chopping Mall, we're going to we're going to get Blood Diner sooner than later. Yeah, Chopping Mall Which better make a because- shit ton of money. You all know what to do. Buy buy three <laughs> copies. Just buy them all. Which what's now <laughs> um especially because i've heard uh i've never seen blood diner before i've i've only heard of it from friends so uh, it's going to be really cool to finally get a chance to see this movie in you know a prestige format like yeah. this and finally the last bit of news that i got for you grindhouse releasing just announced that they're going to be putting out lucio fulci's cat in the brain oh man on blu-ray they had this on, Not only on, that, on DVD it, forever, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. It was probably one of their one of their bigger titles. Uh, not only that, it's also going to be touring the country as well in select theaters. But nice. they're going to be putting out a deluxe three disc edition. The deluxe edition is going to be limited to three thousand copies. But there isn't going to be a standard one later on. It's kind of like the same thing they had with their very first release, American Hippie in Israel that three to set was limited to 2000 copies mm-hmm. and then, but you can still find the standard for a decent price. Some of the things that are going to be on um, this 
new addition. There's a high-def digital restoration of the original uncensored director's cut. Yay. English and original Italian soundtracks. In-depth interview with Fulci and cult superstar Brett Halsey. New interviews with Fabio Frizzi, screenwriter Antonio Tentori, cinematographer Sandro Grossi, and poster artist Enzo Schiari. Plus, we also included, I'm pretty sure this was included on the DVD as well, Fulci's heroic appearance at the 1996 New York City Fangoria Weekend of Horrors, uh, the original Italian trailer and gallery of stills and poster art. We got some new liner notes by Antonella Fulci, David J. Shaw, Eli Roth, and Martin Bine. Plus, you also get a bonus CD of Fabio Fritzi's soundtrack. Now, for the, uh, the limited edition, you get a glow-in-the-dark slipcover and a mini-portrait of Lucio Fulci that's suitable for framing. Nice. And you can already pre-order this at Diabolik DVD. Oh, you can, huh? Yes. And if you do so, apparently they got like a special bundle going on where if you pre-order from Diabolik DVD, you also get a little Lucio Fulci bobblehead. <laughs> really? I don't know why. I don't Fulci know why. Wobbler combo but... pack. Okay, so there's the Cat and the Brain Blu-ray and the Fulci Wobbler combo pack. That's $39.99. Um, and then the the three disc limited edition is $25.99. So order, you know, order whichever one sounds best to you. And their their three disc limited editions are always great. Like the the Beyond and Cannibal, Hol- Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, like those yeah. releases are just fantastic. So jump on this while you can, for sure. Guess what I'm adding to my cart right now? Yes. I apologize to Grindhouse Video. Maybe I should hold off and see if Grindhouse Video is, is going to carry this. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to see if uh, if Grindhouse Video is carrying this. If they are, I will put a link in the show notes. Um, I'll put a link to to all these, so you have uh, so you have a choice. But uh, if Grindhouse Video is buying this and you just want to get the uh, the Blu-ray, uh, grab it from them instead. But, yeah, keep yeah keep an eye on uh, Grindhouse releasing because we do have a solid release date for this one. This one's coming out on July twelfth, so fair warning. Okay. okay. Awesome. That was that was a lot of news, but we did it. <laughs> <laughs> all right that's looks all like we, i got uh, this week looks like uh we all have some decisions to make on uh, how we're gonna spend our money <laughs> that's for sure budget yep. accordingly don't go into debt over movies i know from experience just don't do it all right cool josh <laughs> thank you so much man we'll talk to you next week no problem see you guys around next week There is a darkness. Well, that's why I'm with you. Because you say I for me. Love opens to absolutely unknown horizons. <laughs> Isabella Johnny. The internationally acclaimed actress in her most explosive, controversial role. <laughs> Sam Neill. Heinz Bennett. Two men. And a 
weapon that no man could ever possess. Special visual effects by Academy Award winner Carlo Rambaldi. Mortal Terror. Inhuman Ecstasy. Soon you will know the meaning of possession. Let's jump into this. Um, yeah, first thing we're talking about is. Uh, the Mondo, gosh, how many Mondo things are there? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know it's kind of um, Mondo Vision uh, release of Andre Zawalski's Possession. I'm just going to yeah. keep going with that pronunciation. <laughs> hey, it's good. Uh, this came out. This came out in 1981, and uh, the director is a French German director and this is uh, of course starring Sam Neill and Isabel Adjani mm, you're really good at this I'm trying really hard right now and it debuted in 1980 at the Cannes Film Festival and uh, Isabel won an award for best actress in 1980 and I don't know what I was expecting with this movie, the only thing I had seen is the weird, uh, tentacly sex scene thing with the creature and Isabel. And it's the only image I had through this that associated me with this movie and, of course, the, uh, the, the cover art for the Blu-ray and, uh, the original poster art with the kind of like, you know, back of a naked woman with, she has like, claws on her shoulders are the only things that ever you know that i knew nothing about this film at all so uh what i like like i normally do i paid way too much money for a box set of a movie i'd never seen just because this mondovision box was so incredible looking so brad you found it for super cheap um and then i tracked it down and i found that it was for sale uh pretty good price through a website called two fan T O U F A A N. Yeah. Well, it's, it's actually, I think it's the company that puts out the Mondo vision titles because okay. all they do is they put out his movies. They, okay. they don't release anything else. Yeah. So it's that through that website is a pretty decent price. They have two versions of this. They have the limited edition, which is about like 60 something bucks between 60 and 70. Um, but then they have a cheaper version, which is about thirty. And the only thing I think missing from the thirty dollars one is the uh, the velvet packaging and uh, the book. So um, I and I think the soundtrack. You you don't get the soundtrack, I, I believe. So you just get the film, but the film's stacked with special features, and you get a couple other things with the, the cheaper version. So there's options. I think for some reason I thought this thing was like sold out or out of print, and I think well, it's just it, people it, were it, blowing it off because of the price. Yeah, it it was it was out of it was. I just think that all the because the only place it was really put on display and known that was available was um, Diabolic, and they and they right. ran out, and then it became known as out of print. And then I found a copy somebody selling on Facebook because I always I was going to buy it from Diabolic, and I just missed it, and they were out at one point. And then um, 
so this person uh, was selling it on Facebook, so I purchased it there. And I trust them because they're obviously a collector, so I know it's going to be in the best shape. Um, so, yeah, I picked it up, and then I think I told you about it. Yeah. And then she was actually charging me, you know, not a high price, but a decent price. But then we found out it was a lot cheaper off of this site. And then she actually matched the price of the site, um, mm-hmm. which is nice. And, um, yeah, and I think you picked it up and then a lot of friends picked it up too. Yeah. Yeah. It was like all of a sudden all of us were like, oh, this is kind of, uh, you know, affordable. Wow. And I, yeah, I think it's just cause, it, and the only one you can find on Amazon is the, uh, the $30, $30 one, not the limited edition. And, but the limited edition is super expensive, like through eBay and stuff like that. So, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's good. It's cool. We found this. I mean, of course I went for the more expensive one just because that box is so gorgeous, but yeah, it's fucking felt people. Like felt, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Not velvet felt, but still. Yeah. But it's, um, it's crazy because it, the packaging is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably the biggest blu-ray i own <laughs> yeah it's bigger than everything like, it's bigger than the media <laughs> books it's it's absolutely huge and it looks like a book yeah it's even bigger than the big box like big box vhs tapes yeah yeah so but there's a lot of stuff in there. there's a really good book in there about the behind the scenes and about the director and, and some some fun things but the soundtrack was was i'm so glad to have that and after seeing the film but the let's talk about the movie the movie is almost like a deconstruction of a marriage relationship through the eyes of this horror director, uh, very artsy. But um, Sam Neill's character named Mark uh, returns home after being away for his job. I'm not totally sure what he does for a living. Um, but he comes home and he's been away for a while and there's some tension there with him and his wife. And she wants to leave and, but he wants to work things out mainly, I think for the son and well, he thinks that everything's okay. Right. And then, then he <clears throat> learns that she's unhappy. Right. Right. And, um, so, you know, things progress and if she finds out that she might have, there might be another man in her life and, and, and she leaves and Sam Neill basically starts going crazy. And the movie's like this kind of, spiral into madness and it's you know you think about like the plot like well you know we could run down the plot but this is one of those films that i think uh operates above a plot there's a lot more going on because i feel like uh if if you've been in a long-term relationship or if you're married or whatever there are it's things are cranked up a notch you know but if you ever fought with your significant other or whatever like this has scenes that like get uncomfortable because they kind of go the direction like and my wife and I are, you know, we've married, uh, Jesus, like almost 11 years. So it's like we've had our, you know, knockdown drag out fights, you know, but this like ups each one that my wife and I had like just adds an, another twist and goes further than her, her and I even went. So it's like if you ever have, you know, that kind of relationship, it almost touches those buttons. You're like, holy shit, <laughs> you know. You can almost relate to the madness going on that's happening on screen because if you've if you've ever been mad or in an argument, financial issues, all that kind of stuff, you kind of see red and will just you know basically say stupid things, and that happens in this film. Um, 
a few times and, and it just goes batshit crazy, you know, with these arguments. And then there's a kid involved and you kind of feel for the kid and you're like, well, there's many scenes that I'm like, well, where's the kid at? Like, what's he doing? And, uh, so that kind of brings things to level, but then it goes to this weird, uh, other level as the movie progresses. So I don't know, man, I, I, I need to see this film again. Cause I feel like there's so many layers to the story and to what's going on and, and these characters and, and it's just one of those films that doesn't spill everything out, which is fantastic. Yeah, no, I, um, I first saw this when I was younger and I don't think I was that into it just because <laughs> right. of how, I don't know, it's a different type of horror. Yeah. Um, so it, it's like if you're in the mind of us, a person that is going through some mental issues, <laughs> yeah. like, because it is very intimate. Like, you know, you have Sam Neill's character, um, who loves his wife, Anna, who thinks everything is fine. Um, comes to find out that not everything is okay with her. Mm-hmm. Um, that she's unhappy. Um, and then he becomes obsessed with trying to find out exactly why she wants this divorce. Um, and he'll do anything for her. I mean, dude, within like what, 20 minutes of the movie, we have the first fight. Yeah. And it's almost like, it's very, like very much like if you're in the room with two people that are fighting. Yeah, it's and where you almost like yeah. want to slowly back out of the room and be like, "Wow, I do not want to be here." Or if you had parents that fought, and you know, you're like, "Wow, this is a really dumb fight. Why are you guys fighting?" And you just don't want to be around, so you right. slowly move away. It's, a, but it's a very intimate portrait of their life, and you're curious why um, Anna wants this divorce, and um. And you can also relate that if you ever went through a breakup or you went Mm -hmm. through someone leaving you, why are you leaving me? What did I do? I thought everything was fine. I think a lot of people have had that situation, whether it's, you know, something you had at your adolescent years or, you know, even your marriage now, you're married for 20 years and you have that, you know, you have, you have friends. I've had friends that come up and they're like, hi, we're getting a divorce. I'm like, dude, why? They're like, I don't know. She just wants a divorce. I've had, right. I've heard that. Yeah. Or he wants a divorce, yep. you know? And then you're like, wait, are you seeing somebody? Are you seeing somebody else? Has someone else came into our life? And that's where Sam Neill's character is just like, oh my God, like what I need to know. Cause they need that closure. Yeah. So that's why the movie is so, um, you can relate to it because whether it's a friend or you went through it yourself, you can totally see why somebody would become obsessed because marrying somebody spending your, you know, saying that you're going to spend your life together, moving in, having a kid. And then they say they want a divorce. That's something that you just can't be like, okay, cool. (laughs) Right. All right. No, you're like, wait, wait a second. Why? And you know, if you don't get a direct answer and you don't have that closure, you would, everybody would, unless you don't love your wife and you wanted a divorce in the first place. Um, you would try to find out. You would become obsessed with finding out. And so that's where the film just takes a new toll. And, dude, it's like you're on fucking drugs watching the movie. Like, if 
it's very unconventional how the story is told and how it unfolds because you're confused as well. And I like that because you're well, exactly yeah. in Sam Neill's position. Right, exactly. Yeah, you're as you confused know, as Sam Neill is. You know, you, you feel, you know, you feel the, you feel his pain and you also can relate to what he does. Dude, that scene with the fucking, like, uh, I don't know what that knife, that automatic knife. Oh yeah. The meat carver. And it's like, Oh my God. Like, you know, that's where it goes to extremes. You're like, I don't know if I would do that, but (laughs) I mean, just, just to kind of get a feel to talk, because this is a, you know, it's a very great movie and it's expensive. So we have to sell it. Like there's a part in the movie where he wants to express his love. And she like, I guess she's upset and she wants to like show that she can kill herself. So she takes the meat carver thing and holds it up to her neck and starts like digging at her neck. And then he grabs the knife from her. And then I, gr- some of the greatest special effects too, oh, man, he just starts taking it and putting it on his arm and just like sawing into his arm. And like, it's like, Oh my God, like definitely some of the most uncomfortable scenes in the, in the great part about this movie that I don't, I want to know, because uh, I can't wait to dive in. Uh, like, this is something that I would want to find out, like all the special features, like behind the scenes and like the motivations that they did for these characters, because her breakdowns that she has more than once in the movie, it's almost like overacting that you see in movies, but she always maintains this, like she's believable because that scene, like when she's in the subway hall, and she just starts like flipping out and like yeah. rolling around, and it's like honestly, it feels like it's ten minutes long. That's the scene that she got nominated that, yeah, helped her win that. Oh yeah, but it's it is it's so it's so real when it all happens. Like you're like, man, this is over the top, but it maintains like, man, this person really is crazy. Like it, that's what's so believable about it because this is probably how somebody would naturally react. I mean, it's so natural when mm-hmm. she does it. Like if anybody else, it reminds me like I th- the whole time I'm thinking, man, what if Nick Cage did this? What it would be like? Um, cause Nick Cage has his cage rage every, it's like cage rage, but a good cage <laughs> rage. Um, and like really great special effects. Um, and it's, and it's just not, you know, a drama that borderlines like psychosis horror. No, this is like, it becomes really dark and it does have a creature and it gets a really fucking weird, you know, like really fucking weird. So, um, I could see people not digging this movie a hundred percent just because of, um, because it is very much like how we're talking about, like with the invitation, the witch and stuff like that. It's Mm -hmm. a different type of horror movie. Totally. Um, it, the longer you sit with it, the more uncomfortable you are. Um, and it happens relatively quickly too. And this is definitely a film that's, I believe is pretty underseen, um, to begin with. I remember catching it when I was little, but I didn't dig it because it wasn't the horror. It wasn't a slasher. Yeah. It's you know? not titillating. You know yeah. what I mean? With, uh, sex, nudity and gore. It's, there is sex, there is nudity, there is gore, but it's a whole other level uh, of that stuff where it's, yeah, it's hard to, I mean, it's, it's not being done to necessarily to shock, you know, it's just, it's, it's, 
I don't know. I, I, I really need to see this again to really get my, really grasp my, my feelings on it. But I, all I know is I, I loved it because of the artistic nature of it and because of the, the subject matter. You know, and if I saw this as a kid, I don't know, I, I would probably think it's just boring. You know what I mean? But now being, you know, in my late thirties and being married for so long and, and, you know, relationships through college and crap like that, you know, it, it really touched on all those. It, yeah. I think you have to be levels. in a relationship to appreciate and understand a little bit more. Like usually that movies aren't like that. Like, you know, sometimes people like fucking heavy drug people are like, you have to do drugs to like this movie. <laughs> no, you don't. You can grasp the idea. I talk to you on a daily basis. I understand. I mean, maybe not necessarily be married along, you know, but no, be, no, but, but at least have a from, relationship. Yeah. Or, but have, have, have had some life experiences or old enough to, you yeah. know, had like witness your parents or something right, like right, that. Right. But also having an understanding of what a relationship is, is based on and where it comes from. So, um, yeah, man, like, this movie definitely takes some swings and it hits like almost every time. Yeah. Well, that, that's, I mean, I like that he's not, the director didn't go on a pander to an audience. Like this was a story he wanted to tell. He denies the fact that it's based on any of his personal uh, experiences. Cause people were like, cause it, they're like, did you go through a divorce? Like, you know, like what fueled this? Um, Wikipedia is wrong. It says that he, he wrote it in the midst of a messy divorce. The book, if you read the booklet that comes along with this, he denies that. Mm. So, um, and he has his reasons. He just wanted to tell, you know, this story and, and he did a bang up job on it. I believe this was, uh, part of the, what, one of the video nasties. Uh, yeah, I believe so, so. It was, uh, cut for quite some time and, and, uh, this is the uncut version for sure. But, but it's, it, it was uncut in nine, it was finally released uncut in like 1999 on VHS. So it's one of those that has been slowly gaining kind of an audience again. But yeah, because it's been released in such limited, you know, um, type releases like this, especially, especially on Blu-ray, hard to find and, and more expensive. It's not gaining the traction. Like I don't think it's really found anywhere on, um, any of the legit streaming sites. Um, but this is, this is one of those things I think once people start finding it and realizing that it's worth the money that, um, this is, if you're a fan of this type of horror and you want something that, um, and it does dive into the, into the making of, there's just some, some good documentaries on here or interviews and, and the booklet that the, the limited edition one comes with sheds a lot of light on the making of, the film and the process through a many, there's a, there's like a handful. There's even things that he wrote himself, um, about his own movie before he died. He wrote this, uh, mm. ar- this essay called possession. Uh, or no, no, he didn't. Somebody write it for him. Well, there's, no, there's an inter- there's interviews and stuff. Yeah. There's an interview, an interview with him. Sorry about that. Um, by held by Daniel Bird and Stephen Thrower. With oh, I missed must have missed that. Oh, man, Stephen Thrower, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I, from, it, it was a, be a fun one to talk about. This it was originally, uh, yeah, I know, huh? Uh, in a magazine called Eye, Eyeball Magazine, nineteen ninety eight. But it was all, all these articles put in this booklet. 
And um, anyway, there's, there's just a hell of a lot of special features on here. I mean, this is one of those films you when you get right right when I got done watching it, I didn't have time, but I I, I started one of the documentaries and I really wanted to finish it, but I, I couldn't. So immediately after seeing the film, I wanted to know more about it. And uh, I, I definitely want to watch it again when I have time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, any, anything else you have to say about, uh, possession? I mean, so I want the people to discover this. I don't want to go do a play by play of the film or anything like that. Oh, no, it's no, but I, I think, be... yeah, it's something that you need to definitely trust and trust us and also, um, you know, want to fork over the money. Even if you just buy the fucking single disc Blu-ray, if they yeah. have it, yeah, like, it's, uh, thirty bucks. I mean, yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit pricey, but the making of features on here are gonna, you know, that's money you can spend confidently, knowing that you're gonna be able to dig into this a film like this. You know, even though it doesn't come with a book, it does come with a lot of uh, very valuable information, some commentaries, um, and a, and a, I think it's a like hour, at least an hour long, um, making of kind of featurette on it. So it's great, man. I mean, there's some really disturbing kind of effects in the film and practical effects and, you know, very Lovecraftian, you know. Yeah, definitely moments. that. And David, David Lynch too. Yeah. Yep. You can, you can see that too. Yep. Yeah. This is one that, I mean, I know, I know a handful of people have seen it, but I think more people need to see this. And if you're a fan of kind of psychological horror and kind of, um, this type of, this type of stuff, this thing delivers. And, uh, you know. <clears throat> definitely doesn't answer all your questions when it ends. It probably, probably creates more questions, <laughs> but it's definitely worth it. Yeah, no, I agree. So boom. Yeah. That's possession. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I have anything else to say. No, I, I need to watch it way more to be able to di- to di- dissect it more. I think, but I got a good pass, you know, a good pass on it, a good, you know, a lot of things that kind of brought up past experiences and things like that. It definitely hit a chord. So, um, it's very, very good. I like it when a movie can do that, when a horror movie can both be kind of trigger like some real life experiences, but also operate on another, like more of a disturbing horror level. It's great. Yeah. And relationships are ripe for this type of interpretation for sure. All right, let's move on to Stream Screams. Nate, wake up! There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me! Scream, I'll break your neck. (laughs) Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Um, This is our first exploitation.tv movie we've talked about as far as having uh, the stream screams, which I don't know why we haven't done it sooner, but we've been meaning to do that. (laughs) Yeah. But this is, yeah, Brad, this is a film that you have talked about quite a bit uh, and just things that people need to check out. We're talking about The Severed Arm. Brace yourselves. It's happening again. That same sense of horror. That same moment of silence before death explodes. No one can stop him. No one can escape the bludgeoning fury, no longer human, creating a nightmare of blood again and again. 
His trail, a cloud of terror. His trademark, the severed arm. Starring Deborah Wally. He's already killed two men. He's mutilated a third. Now what the hell do you want, lady? What year did that come out? 1970-something. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, the severed 1973. Arm. I will let you introduce this because this has been on your top ten list. Yeah, this is literally one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, within the top ten, like top ten of all time, yes. So it's a big statement, but I think if after watching the movie, um, you'll see – Kind of why, maybe. Um, I'll tell my history on it real quick because it's kind of fun if you enjoy storytelling. Um, I would always go, of course, go to the video store. There was a blockbuster right down by my house. Um, Mom would drop me off and then like go grocery shopping and then I would rent rent uh, films. Um, however, Blockbuster only has so much. So when Blockbuster kind of became um, me going in and only renting new releases and still kind of wanting older films. Um, uh, we had a video hut nearby that was kind of, uh, went through that one. Uh, there was like called a place called movie market kind of went through there. And finally, um, about 20 minutes away from my house, I found a place called movie gallery and movie gallery was cool. Um, because the person that obviously ran the movie gallery um, I think it was maybe a franchise because new, older, like newer, older tapes would show up constantly. So you would be going through the horror section and then there would be tapes that weren't there last week. And it was like, wait a second, somebody's purchasing these old tapes and then putting them on the shelf. Never found out who, but <laughs> they turned me on to a lot of crazy things. One of those was a severed arm. Um, it was like cut box by video gems, which I ended up per- purchasing from them when they went out of business. Um, so got home, plugged in the severed arm, you know, I just would rent whatever. And we have the, you know, these five, five men that are, um, in, um, or actually six, I think there's six of them. Six men that are in a kind of mine cave that has collapsed and they are together and they are trying to survive in this small, you know, area. Um, they come to basically resort to cam- cannibalism at one point, talking about how they need to um, probably eat one another, but only cut off or sever. Um, a body part. So they decide to cut off one of their arms. They draw straws. The person that doesn't want to do it is actually the one with the smallest straw. And they're the ones that chop off their arm. Well, soon after he gets his arm chopped off, they're rescued. (laughs) Um, and then years later, a, um, 
not year. It's yeah, it's, it's like years. five years yeah. or something. Like five that. years, something like that. Not like a super long time. Somebody starts showing up and chopping off the survivor's arms. Mm-hmm. Our arm, um, which I think is a super creative plot as kind of a slasher without the killing in a way. Right. Like that is more terrifying that someone's going to hunt me down and chop off my arm. <laughs> um, so 1973 is one of these films that's made way before it's time. It feels because yeah. you think of the seventies in kind of the horror that they were doing. This is very much like an eighties horror movie plot and um, kind of how it's set up and shot. Um, just a really interesting and kind of tense film that almost brings in this um, kind of almost like you going crazy in a way because you get to feel kind of how these people are feeling that somebody's hunting them down and chopping off their arm. Like, I don't know. To me, that's a little bit more, um, that's scarier than just a slasher killing somebody. I know that you're only losing your arm versus death, but knowing that somebody is out for revenge for that specific thing. So, and plus it's like, Hey, we kind of know who this person, like, obviously it all, you know, fingers point to him, you know, uh, what's his name? Robert is the name Robert. I always forget because there's Mark, there's Jeff, there's, I think it's Ted. Is it Ted? No, it's Bill. Is it Bill? They have the most common names. That's why it's always hard to remember, you know, even if it's, it's my favorite movie, it's really fucking hard to remember their generic names. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, I think it's just a really creative film. Um, and I think it's, I do think it's scary to, to that extent, just knowing that somebody's going to hunt you down and try to chop off your arm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's almost like also the ending to this movie without saying anything, Mm -hmm. the ending is so fucking awesome. Like it just it ends in such a way to where it's not really, it's like a psychological thriller more than a slasher at that point. You're like, man, this movie really got to me and it really gets to these characters too. Um, I think the ending definitely amplifies it like tenfold because we have like, you know, the person dressed in black chopping off arms, people trying to, run away and then it becomes it becomes a different movie at the ending and especially the end it takes a totally different turn and you're mm-hmm. like shit like man that fucking hit me in the face i haven't seen movies do that in a while um so yeah it's uh it's just one of those flicks that always kind of stuck with me and um you know definitely definitely surpassed a lot of feelings I had for a lot of horror at that point, because even after watching the movie and realizing what it is, it's hard to place this movie. Like it doesn't belong in the seventies. Then it doesn't. And then when it ends, it doesn't belong in the eighties. Like you're like, Oh, this is kind of a slasher. It belongs <laughs> in the eighties. And you're like, wait a second. This doesn't belong in the eighties. It belongs like in the seventies. Yeah. Because with, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, movies from the seventies weren't nice. Like no. they weren't, they didn't end well. They didn't, 
they were they didn't have happy endings. I think we talked about that with the Easy Rider when I was on yeah. that. You know, it's just that we had our you know you had movies where lead characters died at the end, where somebody didn't really get their way. Um, that didn't end up with you know in the eighties became kind of fairy tale land where we had like you know these teen comedies and stuff like that and boy gets girl even though there's always that dilemma you know oh I was a bet oh you're so much different than I am I'm from the valley you're not you know and then it just kept on that way like we have to have happy endings for that sense of closure you know we can't have movies that end in such a way where it's like well fuck you know, that sucks. You know, we do, but they're not popular either. You know, it's, it's it, I like kind of, you know, not every, not every story in our life ends happily. Think about your own personal life from people dying to true, find, trying to find true love. Nothing goes the way we want it to half the time, not everything at <laughs> least. Um, so it's, it's different watching a movie from the seventies and having it so dark. Yeah. Um, I think is uh, very creative. And this movie definitely gives no fucks of what it wants to be and what it is. Yeah. No, it, so. it's good. It's pretty. I, I was surprised. I was expecting something just kind of, you know, campy and goofy and, and awful. And, you know, it's it's a low budget 70s film. So it's nothing, you know, I mean, it's. There is certain things that are goofy. The sound, the soundtrack is, a, it's electronic soundtrack is. I think it's fantastic. A lot of people, when I try to read about this movie, make fun of it. I love it. I don't know. But it's like, it's just the right mix, I think, of all this um, to just really make something just really unique. And my my favorite scene is the uh, Madman Herman. <clears throat> is it Madman Herman? Yeah, Madman Herman, the radio. <laughs> In the radio station. Which it seems like nobody there at all. So he's doing the uh, the the midnight shift talk show apparently. And I, I used to do radio. I used to uh, do the overnight shift at a radio station. So it's like you're there by yourself. You know, no one is there at, but you. And uh, for some reason, I think because of that, that scene stuck out to me. I, I loved it. I loved the, all the the colors in it too, the reds and everything. Um, and it, yeah, this, red red and yellow is like a theme. Yeah, and and that that scene is fantastic. So I, I like that character a lot. But um, but yeah, this I mean I had a, just had a blast watching this this flick. I, I don't know. I mean, there's just something about it that's very endearing. I think, and um, and I tried looking things up, but other people are writing about it, and everyone just that I've read is just making fun of the film. You know, which is easy yeah. to do. But yeah, it's it's one of those films that always got stuck in a goofy pack or something like that. And yeah. it was kind of known as a bad movie. Um it's public domain, I believe. Um, because this has been released on a lot of horror like you can go across in Walmart or yeah. something, you see like hundred horror movies for twelve ninety nine. You know, and it's like don't sleep tonight, watch <laughs> these. And it's like mostly the goofiest, like silliest movies severed arms always in that fucking pack yeah and it's like god damn it like what is like and i've I've even tried analyzing like why do people not like this movie like what is what's so goofy about it because it's not like if you think about you know kind of the the plot 
but I don't think anything about the movie is funny or silly. I think it's all fairly serious. Like, yeah. you know, and it is kind of a psychological horror movie. I don't know at what point people are like that. So I don't know. I'm, I would like for people to watch it and let me know. Um, if you find it goofy, because I, I find it scary, not like edge of my seat, scary, but I, I find it scary and um, kind of yet, hor- you know, horrifying and kind of edge of your seat. And apparently other people don't feel that way. <laughs> you know, they think it's they think it's comical and I'm I don't think it's comical at all. I had fun with it. I, I wasn't, you know, when, when you when you think about when you sit and think when you put everything aside, though, yeah, and think about, you know, when when them in the cave and everything and and all, and all the stupid decisions they made to put themselves there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that's like that's a lot of horror films that we watch. Oh, totally. It, totally. Yep. Every horror you know? movie starts out with bad decisions and people get put into, into Dude, a Dude, you want to talk about bad? I just here. We'll talk about it for the Zero Boys. Like <laughs> these people are being hunted in the woods in the Zero Boys. They're like, all right, let's make a run for it. They're all running, okay, and they have a couple girls with them, and Kelly Maroney, like, has to tie her shoe. They're running from somebody right now. <laughs> and she's like, I have to tie my shoe. You guys right. going on without me, I'll right. catch up. And the guy goes, okay, be careful. And he runs <laughs> off, and she ties her shoe. And it's like, wait a second. What the fuck is – what are you doing? Take off your shoe and run, bitch. Yeah. Like, why are you doing that? Well, but you know, safety first, Brad. That's the whole point of uh, some horror films that are fun. So that's this movie doesn't do anything that anything else doesn't do. No, no, and like I said, the execution is great, man. I had so much fun with this film, even the 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 the, the soundtrack and everything. Um, I don't know, man. I just I just sat back and 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 watched it and had fun with it and, and enjoyed the you know the fruition of the film. Give it you if you start. I would say give yourself patience and push through to the end of this film because I think you're going to be rewarded. And uh, especially the Madman Herman scene. That's the best scene of the movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's fantastic. This is Madman Herman. There's someone in the studio. Um, I think it's great. It's, it's great. It's, it's my, I made it my Facebook, uh, my Facebook picture, profile picture now. Yeah. And my Twitter, uh, Twitter profile picture. I just, I just hope that. You know, there's enough love for this movie to actually get vinegar syndrome. And trust me, I've been annoying about it, too. <laughs> um, I'm like, seriously, come on. Like, this is my this is like class of 1999 Raiders of Atlanta special <laughs> to me. It would you be know. great if they can get everyone together for inter- with interviews and stuff, because this, I will fucking this is one of those films like, out of that. This is one of those films that you want to know. You want to know the story, how this got made. You want to know. um I love hearing stories about that because you know that no one was really huge. No, they're all, you know, less known actors. They're all just getting this movie done and you know, there's some great stories. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would love to see a, a, a premium release of this for sure. It looks pretty great on exploitation TV. They did a pretty good job. Yeah. They, I, they, I don't had, know. A, they had a bang up print of it, but I yeah. mean, it still, still looks pretty great. Yeah. So check it out on exploitation.tv and uh, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this one. Yeah, and fucking if you like it, tell Vinegar Syndrome to do it because we yes. really need we really need to get this um, this film out there because this is this is another film that has had so many um, 
kind of shitty releases. It's a, you know, diamond release it on their label. If yeah. anybody remembers that shit, um, you know, it's like, I think it was in a two pack with I bury the living. Um, so yeah, it's just, it just always kind of gets the shit end of the stick on releasing. And, you know, like I said, being it's public domain, I think that thing that it is with public domain movies, they are really like kind of goofy or not great. So it becomes that movie. And mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's super unfair. Yeah. I, I had a lot of fun with it. And I think, uh, I think if you take it, if you take, I, I don't know, if you just take this on, on the movie on its own merit, like you'll have a lot of fun with it for sure. So there's a lot of fun to be had with this film. And, uh, it's, it's a psychological right slasher. I don't yeah. know what there isn't like to like. And it's right up Vinegar Syndrome's alley. Like it's just, if you if you watch a bunch goofy. of Vinegar Syndrome flicks, yeah. like it's totally in that vein, and you'll have a lot of fun with it. So yeah, yep. All right, well let's jump in to video. Oh my god! Oh my god! Nikki. Well, here we are at last. Right where we ought to be. We are talking about Evil Town, and this film came out on VHS, never made it to a DVD release. Very interesting story that I discovered about the making of this film. It was originally shot, part of it was shot in like 1977. Yeah, that's the original, uh, uh, original, original film. Um, I forget the, uh, off the top of my head right now, I don't have the name of the original film, but then. It's called God Bless Grandma and Grandpa. Yes. God Bless Grandma and Grandpa. And the original story was these, uh, old people basically needed, uh, the life force of younger people and they would, <laughs> to, to live. <laughs> I yep. guess is the original plot. Um, and then, I don't know what happened in the seventies. It was never finished. Somebody else came along, some other filmmakers and said they wanted to finish the film. So they did a whole, you know, the hospital stuff, Dr. Shaggetts. And then, uh, that was done. And then someone else came along and made and, and filled in the blanks even more. Boobies. <laughs> evil town and added the boobies. Exactly. Yeah. They added, they added the sex. And it's so funny because. Watching watching the film as a whole, you can totally tell what's from the seventies and what's from the eighties. Oh, yeah, yep, yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's really funny because it's like super gritty, like for the seventies, and then it becomes a little bit cleaner. Uh-huh. And um, you know, it, it, and I, I the reason why I picked this movie is because I I picked this up on VHS years ago, and I still have it actually. You know, it's one of those movies that I don't know if we'll ever see the light of day unless, like, somebody like Vinegar <laughs> Syndrome releases it or Code Red. But watching this movie, I, I remember watching it for the first time and just thinking, what the fuck is happening? Like, I don't get it. Like, it, it didn't, you know, it was, to me, it was just a bad movie. Mm-hmm. And later on down the line, I mean, this is when I was in my young teens and I was, you know, my mom was helping me, like, buy box lots of uh, tapes <laughs> on uh, on eBay. You know, I came across this movie. And I'm like, man, what the fuck is this? So, um, but it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was, um, I, I learned to appreciate it a little bit more as, um, as I got older. Um, and I started liking the goofiness. 
um, I it, it just appealed to me more. And uh, I, I revisit it every so often just because, you know, anybody wants to watch something goofy, you know, even like Night Train. To, it, it's like almost like the same. This is like Night Train to Terror. The Spookies yep. in Evil Town would make the best triple feature ever <laughs> because all these films had kind of the same issues and same problems yeah. and made the film completely different from what it was originally and intended to be. Uh, and, and just making, making, uh, making it trying, make, trying to make it work, um, through, through all these problems that, you know, these filmmakers were having. <laughs> this one makes hardly any sense. I had a rough time trying to watch this. <laughs> No, it 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 doesn't. It's it's so weird, and you know it ha- it plays like the teen, you know, angle, like wanting to like have sex and have fun, and then it gets into grandma and grandpa section, and then it right. gets into the doctor section. It's just it is it is three movies. That's what it is. It, like it almost worked better as probably like an anthology. Yeah, like how they did Night Train to Terror, which is three different movies, but or four in, in a way, because Night Train to Terror is the uh, other movie. Yeah, you know, so four, you know, have like an anthology section and just kind of drag these out a little bit longer. Yeah, so they try to basically make this. I'm trying to think of like the there's these doctors trying to figure out how to make the old people live longer is how they try to make the plot, and then the young people get caught up in it kind of sort of but then they can't keep everyone in the same spot because these are all filmed in different years and not everyone can come back so people will like show up in the first part of the movie and then just be gone and never show up oh yeah characters are introduced and they just disappear yeah so this movie is very comparable to evils of the night where these two like mechanics are kidnapping teenagers to use their bodies to, to help out with these, like this alien force. Like it's very, but it's just, <laughs> it just goes to grandma and grandpa. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah. And like the old people aren't actors. They're just like naturally old people. Just like, it feels like they're just having like a candid interview and they're just talking. And then they splice that in as the acting. That's what <laughs> it feels like half the time. Well, until they get, get all the, the, all the grandma and grandpas to basically do a, a zombie descend onto a car. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> and that's actually what turned me on to this movie because I, um, going back to, I always say this. So I wish I could give this company money to do more. Is that all movie guide? I always talk about, Yeah, um, you could, you know, it had tags. So I would try to look at all the zombie stuff because that's what I really enjoyed when I was, you know, a teenager. And so I came across this one. And so when I found a lot of it on eBay, I got really excited because I was like, Oh man, this is going to be a good zombie movie. Cause like the, the cover is the hand like popping out of the ground. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it's totally not what it is at all. Like not I was, even, I was uh, always thought zombies were like, you know, Dawn of the Dead, you know, zombie, Fulci zombies, you know, I didn't know zombies was just also on the side mind control, which that's kind of what this relates to. Yeah. John, John Carradine is in this though. He's in everything though. I know, huh? He's like in every older horror film, him and like Martin Landau is in a lot of, uh, horror films. Yeah. Not Martin Landau, uh, Jack Palance. Jack Palance, and there's somebody else that shows up. Is it last name Landau, though? Wait, who's 
grumpy old men. Who's that's Martin Landau, right? Yeah. Okay. What is the Jack Palance and Jack Palance and somebody else? They always paired up in movies together <laughs> in horror movies. They're in Alone in the Dark, which okay, is yeah. uh, which is great. Where's the fucking? That's a really great movie that needs to be uh, discovered again. Um, but yeah, I can't remember his name now. But anyways, um, yeah, John John Carradine's is fun in the movie. He he carries most of the movie because he's probably the only person that can actually act. <laughs> the only person that can actually do anything. Yeah, yeah. So so it started out as uh, God bless Grandma Grandpa, then it became, um, uh, gosh, what is it called? God bless Doctor Shaggitz, and then it became Evil Town. And it, it was, so it was originally shot in like 1977, the first footage, and then it wasn't even released on video until 1987. Yeah, 10 years after wow. the first one was made. That's incredible. So, yeah, if you can find this thing, uh, it's hard to find. Yeah, it's, it's one of those find. things. Yeah, it's, it's not very well known either. Um, but if you can I find think it. The only, only time I remembered seeing it um seeing or hearing it mentioned was um i think it was in Z- uh Zach Carlson's uh destroy all movies i think it was in that mainly yeah. because of uh of the punk like kind of how people are punks i think it's i think that's about it Probably. Yep. Yeah, this thing, I, I, I don't know. It's pretty bad. But if you're oh, trying on, to track things down, on, like, uh, like, like something, uh, like I said, a triple feature with, with spookies and Nitrogen to Terror. Yeah, movies that have problems. Really like funny evening. Have problems. Yeah. Yep. Oh, you know who else is in this? Uh, Dean, Dean Jagger, who's in like Alligator and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. End of the World. Yeah, he's, he's familiar too. And it's listed as his last film, I think. Um, Alligator was from the eighties, right? So, oh, I think since well, this I was released in eighty-seven, but he, I think he filmed the stuff in the seventies, right? Though. Yeah, yeah. Because he's he's one of the grandparents. Yeah. So all the grandparent stuff was uh, the seventies. God, fantastic! But that's what I say, man. I really wish we could see these original movies. How how they? Uh, well, I say I don't think any of them were finished. I think they were. The God bless Grandma Grandpa was never finished, and then they try to take that and and interject the Doctor Shaggits or whatever, and then that didn't it wasn't work. it wasn't finished though. I I don't. I, I mean, I actually this would be a good one to try to research. Yeah, I mean, as far as from what I'm reading here, um, it, it was never it was never finished. He started to work on it. Hmm. So it never actually finished the film and everything. So I don't know. Hey, it's got a lot of boobies, that's for sure. Well, yeah, that the, the, all those came in the eighties. Yeah, I was about to say, like they. <laughs> it's so funny because the I want to know the conversations between like producers and stuff. Like we have a terrible movie, how do we fix it? And then yeah. somebody's like, "Well, I'll just shoot a bunch of nudes." <laughs> that's what it feels like. Yeah, because like it's just gratuitous nudity for no like reason. totally. Um. But there's like that really uncomfortable scene when they like kid like they like figure out they're like what if we kidnap her and then keep her and do what we want? And yeah, it's like, that's the uh, what? 
When, yeah. did, when did this movie become like he's like a, a tad, snuff film? It's a tad rapey. Oh, with dude, those, it's super with those mechanic guys. And then when they like leave, and then that guy like has her tied up in the chair, and he's like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like so oh. weird man. Such a strange flick. But, uh, well, that's why I want to focus. Like, the whole point of, you know, the VHS, oh my God, is to put like a bug in people's ears that saying, hey, these movies exist, you know, because I mean, Evil Town might not be a great movie, but I don't want it to disappear. You know, yeah. I, I still want people to see it. Well, the story I, I is great. I mean, it, it, things like this, like, even with like, like, especially like with spookies, and it's like, I would love to. Them for somebody yeah. to get all the filmmakers and everyone who's around in a in a room and do an interview and talk about how this film was put together because I think that's even if I mean some people just get all butthurt and angry you know the way these turn out but I mean it's such these are such interesting stories um, and examples of a studio of studio failure you know that I, I think are super interesting and people need to know about you know I mean it's if you don't know about this stuff you can't you know, you can't change, you know what I mean? So studios are still going to do this type of stuff, but the, the trying to save a film or make a film better by shooting more stuff and adding more things and bringing in different directors is just uh, very fascinating to me. And I would love to hear these stories because there's so many stories that sh- should come out of this, you know, and we don't, we don't, we don't. So well, the thing that sucks is I don't think you're, because I, I, we didn't mention this, but Curtis Hansen, is uh, one of the directors on this, and he's known for you know fucking used won Academy Awards and shit. Yeah, you know he did. Um, he directed uh, you know Eight Mile with Eminem. He did The Wonder Boys. Did wow. LA Confidential. Yeah, I mean this guy's big time. Like you know it's fucking. Um, he did that movie with um, was it is it Eastwood's son? Or no, it was Gerard Butler that uh, <laughs> uh, chasing. Is it Chasing Mavericks is what it is? Oh, I don't know. Well, anyways, um, yeah, he's he's had some big movies. Like, he's a he's a big-time writer-director. Um, and then he has Evil Town. Yeah. Which I think he's, if I remember correctly, he's the one that um, directed the stuff in the 80s. Yeah, Larry Spiegel did the stuff in the 70s. Um, Larry then, Spiegel. That name he didn't really... Strong. He didn't really do it. He did a movie called um, Spree in 1979, also called Survival. Um, and then he did some ABC nutrition spots, and he did a cartoon called The Bear Who Slept Through Christmas. Hmm. But and then the third director on here is Peter Trainer. Peter S. Trainor. That name sounds familiar. For Death Game. Oh. Truck Stop uh, Women. Yeah, Death Producer was, producer. Um, was he, the remake that Eli Roth did called yeah. Knock Knock. He directed Death Game in 1977. Pro- he produced Knock Knock. Yeah, because I know that he, yeah, Eli Roth made that loosely based remake of uh, of Death Game. So Hey, Noah is here. Noah, come say hi. No? I will be right out to feed you guys breakfast. Dude... <laughs> this is when we find stuff because now I understand why you use IMDb. Well, yeah, it's a little rabbit hole. Dude, but... no, check this out. <laughs> this is super weird and really like we need to talk about this. All right. You know how I said evils of the night? Yes. 
Dude, the guy that directed fucking Evil Town directed Evils of the Night. Larry Spiegel? No, or, this Mohammed Rustin. Oh, he he did one additional sequence. But dude, he's <clears throat> so, like how like because I compared that because right, they, right, right. the two gas station attendants kidnap teenagers and then feed them to aliens. Yeah. So the alien the old people turn into aliens for that plot. He used the same exact fucking movie. Oh my gosh. Dude, how funny is that shit? That's hilarious. Oh my god. It's funny because all the movies I can compare it to, that's what it reminded me of, and that's exactly what it is. So did they just take that sequence from Evils of the Night and put it in Evil Town? What? Did they just straight up take that sequence and just credited him? Um, No, no, I'm saying that the stuff with the gas station guys, that's that's Evils of the Night. It's not the same movie. It's just different actors, but they... No, John Carradine is in Evils of the Night. Wait a second. Is it the same movie? Dude, I think he just spliced in stuff from Evils of the Night into this movie. Dude, my brain's about to explode. I think. Because I I don't remember... I mean, I've only seen Evils of the Night once. I've seen Evil Town a few times. The poster but, says starring John Carradine, Julia Newmar, and Amber Lynn. Oh my god. I might have just, just discovered something. So I'm I'm wondering if they just is Amber Lynn in this? Yeah, I don't know. That's oh my hilarious. god. I have to watch now you're gonna have to watch all three of these. I know. Yeah, because um because John Carradine is the doctor. Yeah. That's right. He is the doctor. Yeah, it must be. I have to rewatch. Uh, I have to rewatch Evils of the Night because I've only seen Evils of the Night once, and I wasn't like the biggest biggest fan of it, but it was fun. <laughs> IMDb is hard because it doesn't list John Carradine in Evil Town, but lists him in uh, Evils of the Night. But he's definitely in this film. Yeah, he plays a doctor, and Ju- Julie Newmar is one of the doctors as, as well. Yeah, I think they just spliced in stuff from uh, Evils of the Night. <clears throat> All right, time for an article. We got some. We got some homework to do and potential article. That's awesome. All right, we got to wrap up. My kids are up and they are hungry, so I need to uh, feed these kids so they can live. But, um, dude, I'm my mind is blown right now, though. So. If you can find Evils of the Night, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to track that down this week too, because I need to see this for myself. Yeah, it's on DVD. Gorgon okay. uh, video released. Okay, last year. sweet. I'm gonna check that out. And uh, if 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 they did that, that's ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> they just got Where's this director and said, "Hey, is that anywhere? Like, I need to research. Is that anywhere like online that they did that?" Well, I don't. I don't know. I just have this one article from braineater.com. They talk about similarities, but I don't think, I don't think he actually puts it all together. You know? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd have to reread this article here, but from what I read, I don't, let's see. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. He mentions Evils of the Night and he mentions Rustam. But um But they said they said that Rustam got his hands on Dr. Shaggett's, you know, and it's extremely the new footage for Evil Tan is extremely similar to the content of Evils of the Night. 
If Rustam got his hands on Dr. Shaggis first, then a few things about evils of the night become clearer. Um, but it sounds like the, you know, in addition to John Carradine, evils of the night features all time career low appearances by Golden Globe winners, blah, 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 blah. So there's a bit of a, you know, but I don't know if it's a, if, if he just brought them back for a few scenes, you know what I mean? Or if he actually spliced in evils of the night. I don't know. That's what's unclear. Yeah. Well, actually I'm on uh bleeding skull cause that's who I trust. Okay. And, um, like they mentioned evil town, but they say they like evil town more than evils of the night. Huh? So I'm going to have to watch both of these back to two fucking quadruple feature. Watch both and see if they're actually snagged. This, the scenes are snagged ex- right from Eagles yeah. of the Night. That'd be interesting. Yeah. Cause I wouldn't remember because one watching Eagles of the Night once, but I remember it because I remember the plot and then watching, rewatching yeah. Eagle Town again. Yeah. I was like, man, this is, you know, this is very close to what they did in Eagles of the Night. Cause I remember them kidnapping teenagers and using them for an alien. Cause yep. doctor, uh, the doctor, John Carradine is like the head alien in Evils of the Night, if I remember correctly. That's crazy. So, yeah. That's hilarious. All right, we will look into it. See what happens, like, when you just fucking, like, start talking? Like, all all these movies are tied in some way. That's crazy. Another, like, a a filmmaker. But, yeah, I didn't even think about checking the directors at Evil Night and see what else, or uh, (laughs) Evil Town and see what else they did. Yeah. Well, that's to do it for this week's show, man. A lot of stuff to dig into. So you guys have homework. We'd love to hear you guys try to track these films down, check them out, let us know what you think. Um, as always, if you buy a flick, use the hashtag what's on your doorstep. We love that. That's so fun. And a lot of you have been automatically doing it. We, I do it whenever I buy fun movies and, uh, it's just fun. So eventually we retweet the shit out of that hashtag. Yeah. And JR Brookwalter does it. It's, he does. It's so great. And, uh, it's a lot of fun to see what you guys are grabbing and, and, uh, you know, Makes makes us doing the show even even more uh, rewarding. Yeah. So um, as always, please if you're gonna want if you want to buy a movie, go to GrindhouseVideo.com first. See what they got, and if they got it, um, support. You know, support these uh, smaller stores. You know, um, right now they I mean they really they're the only type of stores that I can track down stuff I like. You know. Um, where of course, you know, Amazon's more convenient, but you gotta think about I don't know. I, I always am like I would rather give a store like Grindhouse Video and um you know, my money first. So check them out. He's been very competitive with prices and like I said, follow him on, on Twitter and Facebook. I got the links on the website on the screencast.com slash sponsors. And when he has he's been doing some giveaways. Um and uh, he's been doing uh, these special like pre-order prices, limited time window uh, pre-order prices for you to lock in a really good price. So um, so make sure you're doing all that. Also check out our other sponsors over there, Coffee Shop of Horrors, uh, Wolfman of Mars provides the music, and Kevin Spencer has provided the artwork. Also Vinegar Syndrome, sponsor of the show, and a Horror Pack. I say that right this time. The horror pack. Horror pack. Which they should have their box coming out soon, right? Yeah. Well, they have, they're doing their first like limited edition Blu-ray soon. Nice. I guess for June. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Very cool. Check it out. 
Cool. Go to thescreamcast.com slash sponsors. Check all them out. Give them your support. As always, if you buy something from any of them, send us a screenshot of your transaction to readme at thescreamcast.com. We'll get you in the hat for our next coffee shop of horrors drawing. And, um, and yeah, that's about it. All you guys have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See ya. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. The party's just begun.